My name is Casey Snow, and I'm listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talk about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have Josh45. What's up, what's up, what's up? And CBS. That'd be me. That's you. Yep. Uh, today we are doing episode number 121. Are you sure about that? Absolutely positive. Did you count that on your fingers and toes? Well, a couple times over, yes. Cool. It's good because I have an abacus at home, so that's how I keep track of things. That's not an abacus. It's one of those little kid toys where they like play with the beads. Like Connect Four? No, that's like checkers. Ah, right. Little kid toys that they put on the side of the crib and they slide the beads just because they can... Yeah, an abacus. No. It's Same like, thing. It's just like a um, stimulation thing for the mind. <laughs> oh, whatever. Um, all right, so book-wise, man, we're going to be uh, doing uh, the Defender's Best Defense special issue number one for Marvel. And we're also doing Self-Made number one. It's from Image Comics. From Image Comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we got Grumble number one, and this is uh, from Albatross Comics. And we'll follow that up with uh, White Widow, which is from Absolute Comics Group. And bringing up the caboose of the old Top 5 Comics podcast, Locomotive Express is ju- uh, Young Justice number one. It's like you were doing so good. I got too excited. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. With train thing's still not going to work. Thomas the, Thomas the this tank engine... Top five comics spe- special. See, I'm just, yeah. It's like you had a stroke for a second. Man, I am stroking out of here. Yeah, let stop it. You stop it right now. <laughs> Man. All right, well, before we get in the news into uh, comic books, I'm going to take a minute to mention our uh, sponsor over at Impact Theory Comics. Uh, Impact Theory is a new independent publisher. Uh, They're releasing their first issue, Neon Future, uh, March 23rd. Getting ready to come out here in just a couple months. It's a collaboration with the world-famous DJ Steve Aoki, and it's being written by uh, Jim Kruger, who uh, won an Eisner Award for the book Justice over DC. Art's being done by Neil Edwards and uh, Jeremiah Rapak, and they sent a digital copy over earlier today and got a look through. Well, I didn't get to read the whole thing, but I got to read through most of it. And like the art is fantastic, so the book looks amazing. If you like sci-fi, you're going to love this comic book, so... My suggestion is get over to your comic book dealers or retailers as soon as possible. I want to say file or cutoff for it is the first week of February, so it's in this month's previews. Get it on your pull list, guys, because if you miss it, uh, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those books that uh, if you miss the train, you're going to be stuck doing digital. Or paying massive aftermarket eBay prices. Oh, yeah, chasing on eBay for sure, no doubt. The setup for it, basically the idea is that uh, the future... Technology has been outlawed, and so you have a whole division in the world between the faction that has technology and the faction that doesn't. And our like the twist for it is the main character. He's like an anti-technology propagandist, like a really big deal one, and he gets dead. And then uh, they use the technology to revive him, and so now he's stuck trying to figure out what to do in his world. Uh, it's set up really kind of cool. The hook is pretty cool. As far as books are concerned, yeah, super excited for it. So, yeah, you guys got to get over there and let your retailers know about it so you can get it on your pull list so you don't want it missing out. Well, as far as uh, news in the world, Josh, what do you know about the news? 
All right, news and information. We've got some things here and there. Let's see if we can uh, keep this focused today. So Marvel just uh, kind of made an announcement, kind of made a, a change to a pretty massive character. They uh, upped Storm's mutant level. She's now an Omega-level mutant, officially. She kind of shut down X-Man when he was um, possessing Legion currently, and um, some other Omega-level mutants weren't even able to to stop him and knock him back, and uh, Storm did it. Kind of got all big and buff and zapped him and called herself a goddess and said, I've been a goddess longer. You've been alive, boy. And uh, so, yeah, they're going to pretty much that she's an Omega-level mutant now. It's pretty sweet. Which is pretty cool. Well, makes sense, I guess. As far as controlling the weather and controlling like that suction of Earth and things, it's pretty... It makes sense, I think. Right. I don't know how you couldn't... They wouldn't have done that sooner. Right. As promised, Gotham finally is going to debut its Harley Quinn. Yeah. All right. Which, I mean, some people love that show, some people don't. Yeah, it's been weird since that... But the show's not bad as long as you don't have any merriment to... Like the comic books. Like, if you're just like, oh, yeah, one time I saw a Batman movie, then, yeah, it's great. There's plenty of good acting in it. The dude that plays Jim Gordon, the guy that plays uh, Detective Bullock, they're both fantastic. Like, cast-wise, the cast's not the problem. The thing that's weird about it is, like, how certain characters have appeared timeline-wise that don't make sense. So, if you're too comic book, then it's, then it's a problem. Otherwise, yeah, I guess it's fantastic. Speaking of um, other TV shows... In the DC Universe, Arrow enlists Kelsey Grammer for a special 150th episode. So mm. I'm not sure what he's going to do, but that, that could be cool. Let me see. What else do I have here? The original Ghostbusters. There's been a teaser of a new movie coming. Yeah, the teaser trailer came out. Not so. a trailer, but like a teaser. So super excited about that. Get over there and try to find that thing if you haven't seen it yet. I mean, it's not like a huge reveal, but it's really pretty cool. It's, but supposedly all the original cast is on board that's still alive. Yeah, the so. way I understand it, Ackroyd's pushing most of the but- buttons over there, so I think that's awesome. Batman is going to make a wedding plans in the new Lego Movie 2, t- so okay. I, I don't know what's going on with that, but that movie looks pretty fun. It does look funny, yeah. Um, those Lego movies are pretty hilarious, actually. So there's going to be a Power Rangers video game called Battle for the Grid and the teaser images look pretty cool. And the um there's a big cameo on the teaser as well. It's uh Dracon. Lord Dracon. Lord Dracon? Yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty big part of that story. So in the comic books, like the, he's the main drive behind it actually. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They're making a video game. In DC news, this is the one that I thought was weird and it's going to slightly affect the the books that we do tonight. It's gonna kinda connect, but um, so we can't really do a not reveal thing at the end of the book, but Connor Kent's back. Obviously, he's on the cover of Young Justice number one, and um, John's back. John Kent is back from space, but yet he's uh, ten years or seven years older. So he's a seventeen-year-old teenager now. So we basically have two Superboys that are the same age, and we don't know why Jonathan is that old, and we also don't know how they're going to interact with one another. So, because after all the retcons, I think that Connor Kent is now officially a clone made from Lois Lane and Super and Clark Kent. No, there's that, a that was that's supposedly that's the current retcon. Yeah, of of him of that Connor Kent incarnation. It was just Superman, then it was Superman and Lex, and now it's Superman and Lois. 
we'll have to see what it winds up being, because I guess issue three of Young Justice is supposed to go over that. And as far as, like, set up at New 52, when they first started New 52, we had a very different Superboy that wasn't connected to either one of them. Right. And, like, his story sort of fits now with the way John showed up, and the way Lois is back, and how Superman and Lois are a thing. Because at the beginning of New 52, that wasn't a thing at all. Like, uh, Superman and Lois Lane were not connected, and the way the path went, they never lined up. So until we had the other Superman from pre-New 52 show up in the same universe, basically replace New 52 Superman and Lois, I guess, because they, they were merged together with Mixelux-Plick doing things, we get a hybrid of both. And that leads to where that story from the future time-traveled Superboy that was a clone of him of John back in time with the Harvest character sort of makes sense. So I guess we'll have to see like which version of Superboy this really is, if it's actually John or if it's the weird clone from the future. Um, well, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Like the older, the one that came back from the space? The one, yeah. Well, I mean, what it makes it sound like, I'm sure that there could be a twister there that, and that it is... John, but because he went off with his grandpa into space. Right. And the argument was like, well, why are they taking a young Superboy who I think is really cool? A 10 year old Superboy with powers being 10 and like 10 year olds can just break, they're very destructive and break things on accident at will anyway. Imagine getting him superpowers. That's much cooler than just another teenage Superboy. We've had a billion teenage Superboys over the years and it's like, it's, it's done. It's been done. Yeah, we'll have to see what it winds up being. But but what's the truth? But the yeah. argument was, well, sending a ten-year-old out on adventures isn't very responsible. But a seventeen-year-old, you can't really control a teenager. My thing is, I don't think it's very responsible sending your ten-year-old son into outer space with a crazy grandpa. Well, they were led to believe that he wasn't crazy. Well, which is part of what the story is well, going to be about. Well, I haven't seen you in. 33 years, Dad, or however old Superman is. He's like, but now I'm going to send my only son out in outer space with you. Well, there were other reasons at the time. Mm. And, like, when he first showed back up, it was a very negative situation. That That's true. I just I just think it that's some, some BS excuses. So hopefully it's not the real one, and he'll be stay 10 years old and hang out with Damien, because those two together are pretty cool. Uh, Super Sons? Yeah. Even though the title, I was never a fan of the title. The book itself was really good. It's a reclaimed title from, like, an old title from back in the 70s or whatever. So, I mean, I get why they used it. It just, I didn't like the title. Although the stories were awesome. Which most of those are Peter J. Tom- yeah, I think all of them are Peter J. Tomasi, like, writing them. So, they're great. He's awesome. Which also helps with, you know, other stories. And in other news, um, Game of Thrones released its first trailer. The, for the final season looks really cool. It's just a teaser trailer, but it's I'm I'm pretty excited about that to see how that because I know that George R. R. Martin's lazy butt's never gonna finish that series. <laughs> he's he's gonna end oh, up man. dying or like something bad happened to him before he finishes the final two books. So the only way we're gonna get to see the end of that story is in TV form, unfortunately. Well, so at this point they asked. I mean, I guess they talked to him about like teaser points, and ever since the show happened. There's been fan theories, fan theories all over the internet, and I guess at least a couple of them are right. So I guess we'll, whether he finishes it or not, yeah, like you said, I mean, the TV show is going to be the closest thing to what we immediately have, and he's already said that what they're doing, I guess, lines up, I guess. 
Unless he puts it out just to screw with people, which is possible. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he had time to write another book about the Targaryens that just came out like a couple weeks ago, but he doesn't have time to finish a story that's almost finished. Right. I find that hard to believe. And some more TV news. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's going to reprise his role as John Winchester in Supernatural, like in an Ooh, anniversary episode. That's cool. I think like the 100th episode. Uh, it's got to be more than that. They're on 10 seasons. I don't know how many ten, episodes there are. 10 episodes a season, 10 seasons, 100. Uh, I feel like they had more than that a season, though. Oh, 300th episode. Is wrong, say, I read it wrong. 300th yeah. episode. I was going to say season-wise. I don't remember how deep the seasons were, but they were longer than 10 episodes. That's cool. Like I dig that dude. Something else that they released real recently, which I don't know if it's that's I guess it is news. I mean, they put out the uh, Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, I want to say yesterday. But it looked really cool. I mean, so, well, Jake Gyllenhaal looks just, I mean, his costume looks cool. And everybody's like, oh, Nick Fury, what's going on? Well, if you, Mysterio is the main bad guy. Everything you saw could be an illusion, so. I think that's awesome. So if anybody knows Mysterio, like you realize anything can be an illusion. Right. So in the, in a really cool story, if you've never read it, uh, Mysterio does one of the most horrible things that any villain's ever done in any comic book series. In my opinion, he completely does a crazy illusion thing against Wolverine and Wolverine kills all the X-Men because he thinks that, um, all the X-Men are actually villains. And well, that's, yeah. and that was the beginning of old man Logan and why he, uh, quits using his claws. Which, and the Hulks take over. Well, everything. Yeah, the everything whole, just goes to crap. Yeah, that the whole villains take over the whole Earth. Is freaking awesome! That's just a big part. That's just part of it. Like, but that's just, that's on that's the scale of how crazy Mysterio can be. Oh yeah, for sure. So, as and far it looks as like, like messed um, up, yeah. Hydro Man is also the other villain. Yeah, the trailers are kind of elusive. What most people are, well, okay, so I think they said it. It was Hydro Man. Mm-hmm, no, yeah, the way the way the way we understand it right now, whether it turns out to be true or not, is a good question. But apparently, the other characters in the movie are going to be the Elementals, I guess. Which the Elementals are like they're old school, early seventies characters, and we had like a rock dude, so Earth, Water, and then Wind. It's real. So right now on eBay, the I think it's, shoot, I don't remember the name of the book. It's issue number eight, like, Spectacular Tales, or, shoot, I Google it, people, because, like, it's gone crazy on eBay this last week. Mostly the book was about, like, the mummy, which is really kind of weird. Anyhow, but yeah, they're saying it's going to be the elementals, and I'd be more of the opinion if it turned out just to be illusions, awesome. But as far as characters, yeah, it's not... It's not any other name drops the way the way the way the internet is currently talking about it. It's not that way. Well, also some 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 fan theories coming out is that the movie actually is is teasing what how Avengers Endgame is going to end with like basically Peter never gets off the bus and the story will continue from that point on because they're going to take time back to that point before the sh- like the, as the ship just comes into New York. So Peter will just be on the bus heading into New York with the rest of the kids. That's the fan theory so far that mm-hmm. I read today. So there's been some photos show up that looks like Chris Evans in like World War II suits. So whether it's new photos, old photos, doctor photos, yeah, who knows? Uh, but it's very possible that we get some time travel and it has something to do with Captain America, which could lead to retconning like everything. And it also looks like. Happy's going to be 
maybe possibly dating Aunt May. The trailer teases that idea, yeah. <laughs> Which would be cool, so. Good for, good for Happy. In the comic books, at one point, he married Pepper. We don't talk about that anymore, though. No. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm going to give a shout out to, uh, if you're not reading it, you should definitely be reading the new Green Lantern by Grant Morrison. <laughs> I know we did an episode last week about it, but it's so good. I'm like, yeah. D- depends, on, depends on who you are, I guess. I liked it just fine, too, but I've heard, yeah, it doesn't matter. Good times. All right, so I know the first book. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Yeah, tell me a story about the Defenders. So the Defenders, the best defense, number one. If you don't know who the Defenders are, it is, traditionally, it's been kind of a rotating cast over the years periodically, but basically it's always been the Hulk, Silver Surfer, Namor, and Doctor Strange. And uh, this book is written by Al Al Ewing and penciled by Joe Bennett, and the inker is Bellardino Bravo. The art's pretty fantastic, actually. I liked it. It's pretty uh, 1980s sci-fi. Yeah, it's a good-looking book. Art-wise, throughout the the whole thing looks good. This yeah. particular issue winds up being the end of like a kind of an event batch of books because we had four other issues that happened before it. One that was a Submariner name or book. One that's fantastic, or one that's a Silver Surfer book. One that's a Doctor Strange book, and one that's a Hulk book. So there is a good write-up page at the beginning of this that has like a paragraph about about each that basically sets up what's happening. But it is part of like a group of books, sort of. Only the way your people are at in the book when it first picks up. So anyway, this as CBS said, this is kind of a tail end of a little thing, but uh it opens up with a celestial looking character known as the conductor, and he feeds these planets into the train, and it's a a fiery planet eating thing it's very i know it's interesting i can't really explain it um and he feeds planets into it and uh it almost looks like the train is actually the planets and as they drive he just feeds them to keep moving the train because they they keep talking about collecting other planets and collecting like things as it passes them so it's almost like the train is the planets but it's also feeding on the planets which is crazy, but like as far as celestials are concerned, I mean, you're talking Galactus power, so crazy. But then as it zooms in, you notice that the conductor isn't quite in control of himself. It is a um, older villain that showed up periodically over the years named Nebulon, and he is on top of its brain, just kind of like guiding it, making it move its course, and its course is currently heading towards Earth. And Silver Surfer comes out of nowhere, but he doesn't have a surfboard, and he's dressed like a... Kind of old Westy. Like an old West, yeah. That's yeah. What I was <laughs> it has to do with where the planet he was on before. So the Silver Surfer one-shot, they were kind of old Westy type dressing people, even though it's a whole batch of aliens. So he's dressed the same way he was dressed on that planet. That also lets you know where the surfboard had gone uh, in that particular issue. The Nebulon character, too, like, he's like a giant, crazy squid-looking thing. Like, all these tentacles and, like, crazy nonsense. He's, like, not just sitting on top of the brain. He's, like, attached to it. It's all crazy. Like, yeah, just tentacles in it, like, controlling its mind with its... So, anyway, uh, Silver Surfer comes out, and he's, like, trying to stop him and trying to fight him. And the thing's whooping in his butt because he doesn't have his board, so he can't really quite move fast and things like that. 
all of a sudden it flashes to a different scene with um, a old man missing an eye. It's got like an eye patch on and he's talk and he's just an astral form of himself. And he it, come to find out it's, it's some form of reality version, some alternate reality version of Dr. Strange. And he's talking to the Hulk and he's telling him, uh, Hey, I need your help. You're going to come help me. And we're going to do this thing. And there's a deep, there's some, some crazy darkness inside of you and I'm going to help you get rid of it. But the reason I'm here is because in my, in my alternate dimension era, um, Earth gets destroyed, so we have to try and fix it. And yeah. I only have so much time left because my actual body's dead, so my astral form only has about an hour left, so we got to hustle. Right. Pretty crazy, like, times restraints for him. Yeah, another piece that came from his previous story. So, like, he's from a future that I guess is our future, like, an alternate re- version of our future, because he's back in time now to try to fix it from happening. Which is the whole reason why he's here, but yeah, it, it, the the one shots were pretty crazy, and they don't directly connect. This is the book they connect in. So then it brings us to hell, and Doctor Strange is like, "We got to go to hell because Nebulon was dead, and somehow, like, why is he not dead anymore? And we got to try and figure out what's going on." So they go to hell, and he's like, "These two like jaguar-looking demon guys are talking about how if Earth dies, then the." cost of souls is going to plummet because there's going to be like 7 billion new souls that are available and it's going to crash the market. And so basically they're speaking of people and souls as a currency, currency, which is kind of weird, but also interesting. And then it shows, goes back into the fight with Nebulon and silver surfer. And he's kind of, surfer's kind of getting his butt kicked. And now the nowhere comes a Namor submariner. Yep. Just, but he's on the surfboard. Yep. And he, he's all silver. Yeah. So. <laughs> silver Surfer Namor. Awesome. Well, yeah. I, I think it's awesome. That's also another piece. Say, so like I said, this is the fourth chapter of, the fifth chapter, excuse me, of all the one shots. And like the, while the one shots didn't really connect, this is the book they connect in. So like, yeah, the end of his book is where the board went to try to save. Namor. And at a weird point in this book, this is the point where I had to ask you, CBS. Mm-hmm. Silver Surfer says, Toomey, Namor, keep at him. And I'm like, who's Toomey? Come to find out the Silver Surfer surfboard is named Toomey. I didn't know that. We we spent a little while doing some research today. And right. we, we did find out that in the Silver Surfer ongoing, issue number three. From 2014. Uh, his, his girl sidekick. He says, to me, board, and she's like, oh, its name's Toomey. And that's where, I guess, the first time his surfboard was named? Yeah, she basically names the board in that issue. And it's kind of become, has become its own personality since then, which is neat. It's interesting. I like it. I've always loved the Silver Surfer, so he's been one of my favorite characters. Right. It's pretty crazy that the board, I mean, the board up in this point, so like for a better part of, like, what, 50 years? At least. Didn't have, like, an actual name. And now it has a name, which is just, it's pretty crazy. Cause that book's not that old. It came out during the 2014 run. So it's not even the most recent run of Silver Surfer. It was during the Dan Slot and Mike Allred run. So yeah, the book's not that old, but as far as like a place where it came from, what a weird thing. Cool. Just hard to figure out. So then back to, uh, the Hulk and the weird Doctor Strange. Hulk comes out of this astral hole portal and picks up one of the Jaguar guys and uh, smashes him to the ground and eats his face. 
actually just rips his head off. It's just a shadow of it, but like, yeah, he like eats the, rips the guy's head off and eats it. And then he eats the other guy. And so those guys are, well, it doesn't, they're just in a, they're, they're in a, a, a body form. So like their souls are actually still around so they can go into another body that leads back to the fight. And Namor gets knocked off the surfboard, so he's not okay now because he's in space. So that's bad. All of a sudden, the Hulk shows up and grabs the surfer and throws him at... He throws him at Namor. Namor to, like, save him, and he grabs the surfboard and starts beating up the monster, the Hulk does. As the Hulk distracts the big big baddie, the Silver Surfer realizes that he's made of the same substance as the surfboard, so he just flattens himself out. And Namor, like, steps onto him and rides him like a surfboard. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, we basically have the surfer as a board, but with the surfer's head, and Namor riding him like a surfboard. It is the craziest thing ever. Um, Nebulon doesn't like getting hit by the Hulk, because the Hulk's just working him. And then all of a sudden, there's a planet that's in the queue to go next into the uh The train. The train, mm-hmm. and it's a planet of Atlanteans, and so Namor's like, we got to... We have to save this planet. Right. Because it's uh, some of my people. As he's being distracted, Surfer and Namor go onto the planet. And the only way they're going to be able to summon enough energy to move this planet into a uh, wormhole of some sort, into a new universe, and like, jumpstart a star where it can have its own galaxy. So it can have its own, so it can have its own sun and stuff. Um, he has to... He doesn't have the power, so he doesn't. He can't connect to the power cosmic because Nebulon had drained him pretty bad. And so this queen who shows up, Namor say he's going to sacrifice himself to give him enough energy. But the queen's like, no, because you're selfish and you're a jerk. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what a queen does. And she sacrifices herself and kills herself for enough energy for Surfer to be able to do that. Right. Well, their their people, their faction of Eglanians was able to, like, drain and absorb power too so like they're at least her ability her specifically yeah because yeah, i don't think the rest of them could do it but she definitely could and so rather than that she just basically gave her power to the surfer and sacrificed herself to save the planet i mean the whole reason they were having a problem is because when the planet was pulled into the train it left its own solar system and stars and everything so if they just got it booted out it'd just be floating in space with nothing to like heat it or run the planet at all so yeah, pretty crazy, like, spacey stuff. So then it goes back to uh, the fight between the Hulk and Strange and Nebulon, and all of a sudden, Nebulon thinks he's like, well, you distracted me, yeah, but you don't understand, like, the train's already on path to Earth, so it's still gonna eat Earth. I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. And out of nowhere, um, Mephisto shows up, and he just says, well, actually, earlier in the story, the two Jaguar guys, the, they they had borrowed the soul money from Mephisto, to make some more money, and, well, once things don't go their way and they die, their bodies die, They uh, the loan comes due, and Mephisto's like, all right, I'm taking back your pet Nebulon monster, and uh, sorry, don't know what to tell you. And he uh, says what's up to Hulk, and tells Hulk, yeah, I can't fix the darkness that's in you, that's somebody I can't, it's too... Too powerful for me. It's It's above my pay grade. And, but he's like, but strange, um, I'll see you soon. And then it goes to the surfer and Namor have a little chat with one another. And he's like, 
Namor says, yeah, I'm selfish, and she did the right thing. Like, I, I'm not that good of a person, so I'm going to just be by myself, where I belong. And then the surfer goes to talk with Galactus and uh, tells him what's going on. People use me without my consent and use my power, and it just I feel kind of used. And Galactus is like, yep, now you begin to understand things a little bit. And uh, the book ends with Mephisto chatting with Doctor Strange as he's on a chair all chained up. And he's like, you're in hell. You can't escape. And you're mine. And don't try and escape. Don't try and plan anything because you're not getting out of here. I know. I know. I know you're thinking something. And then the last uh, little dialogue box is, fortunately, I have a plan. That's what Doctor Strange does. So it's a pretty interesting story. Pretty interesting take on the Defenders. They're kind of all over the place from different... Man, they're a grab bag of characters when they first started in the first place. So, as a thing in general, it's like, the best we understand, the stories are supposed to sort of follow forward in the individual series. So, I guess the next issue of Doctor Strange. And they did just start in a new series for the Invaders, which is like Captain America, Namor, Bucky. So, I don't know if that story is going to pick up from it or not. But they're planning something with Galactus in a batch of different books, I guess, which I think is actually going to happen in the Fantastic Four, but until we get another couple solicits out, it's hard to say what the truth is with that. So anyway, on to... Uh, well, yeah, do we, are we going to score them? Wait, what do you think, score-wise? One of five? Uh, I give three and a half. It's it a pretty good book. I didn't read the other ones. I think I'd probably enjoy a little bit more. Kind of, it starts like right in your face, so there's a lot of things I'm like, what's going on? I don't even know what's going on. So I think if I would have read the one shots leading up to it, it might have made a little bit more sense and I would have enjoyed it a bit more. Sure. It took a minute and I think they're just, the whole train thing and the conductor and all that stuff was just, I, I don't ever, I mean, I might be wrong. It might have, that character, that thing might have shown up previously, but I feel like it was just some, um, writer's crazy concoction. Yeah, I don't know if there's showed up before or not. Like mentally I don't have a memory for it, so that's a weird sentence. But yeah, I, I'm not sure where it came from either, if this is the first place it showed up or not. And as far as the one shots, I mean, they do have the paragraphs at the very beginning of this book, but they don't seal up everything. Because like knowing how why the surfer surfer's dressed the way he's dressed comes directly from the surfer one shot. But the one shots don't necessarily hard connect either, so it's almost like all the one-shots happen, and then this book is the connection. Which, I mean, yeah, I guess that's the way it's designed, so. Back score-wise, I give it a three also. I mean, the book by itself, it's got a pretty entertaining story. It is crazy. I mean, as far as, like, questions and answers, if you don't understand pieces in this book, well, there are four other books to read to make sense of it. So, as far as that's concerned, I'd say get out there and get them, because they're really kind of neat. And we really haven't seen the Defenders as, like, a brand or as a team. God, I don't know. At least 15 years. Not with this particular group, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. We'd have to look into that, but... Yeah, I don't, yeah I'm not sure when the last time we had them as a team together was. Anyway, uh, let's go and move on to uh, Grumble number one. And this is uh, from Albatross uh, Comics. Uh, as far as... Uh, Company's concerned, they're a smaller company too. The, uh, writer of this particular book is Raffer Roberts. Raffer? Raffer Roberts, excuse me. And the artist is Mike Norton. Uh, Mike, you should know from Revival, uh, or from, uh, Battle Pug, which is another book he did. Uh, <laughs> awesome. 
anyhow, uh, so the book opens up and we're uh, basically outside this bar and we're with this little, this younger girl and she comes up to the bar and this biker guy's like, oh yeah, you're, you're not getting in here. And she's like, oh wait, let me just show you my ID. And she pulls out a piece of paper and casts like a little spell on him. And the piece of paper just says ID. And so he's like, oh yeah, let's her ride on in. And so now we're in the bar. We see her wandering around. There's all these different like, there's a whole lot of humans, but there's a whole lot of not humans also. So like random flavor of people. See, I want she's walking through the bar. We want to see her look at her phone, and in it, there's a picture of a dude that she's looking for. And uh, this dude's name is Eddie. And eventually, she sees Eddie's playing a game of cards in the back room, and it appears to be a fairly high stakes game because there's a whole lot of money on the table. We wind up in the room, and it looks like there's Eddie, who's in a really bad white like tourist shirt with flowers. This little imp guy with pointed ears. What looks to be a wizard, like old school, like Lord of the Rings wizard, and then like a lady pimp or wizard, maybe, I'm guessing. Purple outfit, high collar, magical looking signatures on the purple collar. Anyhow, um, Eddie's doing real well, and uh, he's decided he's going to cash out. In the process, Eddie's putting his coat on, and he drops this little mag, this little like jewel thing. Then picks it up and freaks out because it's some type of talisman for luck. And of course, that leads to, uh, the entire table not being happy with Eddie. And, uh, they've decided they're gonna take him out back and be done with him. Because he's a cheater. In the process of trying to get away, he whips out another, like, magical item that they just break. And, uh, between A and B, our, our character, Tala, Tila, Tala, is Tala. T-A, T-A-L-A. Tala, who's the girl from the from the front that from that just entered the bar, the younger girl casting magic, she uh, encounters one of the bruisers guarding the door, mind controls him to walk inside and basically whoop all the other dudes. So she helps Eddie escape. In the process, we get this flash to another totally another like area, another planet altogether, and there's this whole group of people battling, characters being wiped out by an unseen like assassin type. It goes pretty bad for the folks defending these little, like, dragon imp things. And then we flash back to, uh, like, a ship. And on the ship, we see that there's been another person, another target acquired. And when we see the picture of the target, it's Taylor. So, that's crazy. From there, we flash back to Earth. She's walking outside with Eddie now, and Eddie's... They're going over who she is. And apparently the case is Taylor's mom's died... Her mom's name is Tina, and Tina told her if anything happened to her that she needed to look for Eddie and Eddie would help her. And Eddie's like, yep, not me. I don't know what she was thinking. That's crazy. And he goes about disguising himself, putting on this, like, even worse to her shirt, like, clam bake style event shirt. Because they need to hide, because, of course, the folks from the bar are looking for him. And uh, then they go hide out in the restaurant for a minute. Of course, uh... Our girl gives the whammy to the waitress who tells her, oh yeah, you're our customer, your meal is free. We see her doing like just random magic stuff, which seems to be pretty normal to Eddie, but Eddie's like, man, you're really pretty good at this random, she's like, it only it doesn't last super long, we have to hurry. They leave the restaurant, and Eddie drinks a magic potion and turns himself into a pug dog. Like, full transformation. And uh, he proceeds to start messing with this businessman as the dog, and he convinces Tara to take and 
get the man and give him their pass, his password to his card, credit cards and stuff, so they can basically steal his money. The dude was on the phone acting like a complete jerk, though. He's yelling at somebody on the phone like a crazy businessman. After they do that, we wind up seeing this old lady in the crowd get this weird look on her face, and all of a sudden she has this like weird glow about her. We see that she's watching them now. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we wind up seeing the old lady kind of pull her mouth open. This crazy monster-looking bug thing crawls out of her mouth, like demon-looking. Tara's like, oh, oh no, it's the cops. And uh, as they both turn to run, what we wind up finding out is apparently all this time she's been using magic, she's been breaking whatever magic laws there are. Now the would-be police are after her, which is what this crazy bug thing is. And he calls them a, st- a stara, is what he calls them, stara, st- something like that. I can't remember, I don't know how to pronounce it. S apostrophe T-E-R-A, stara. Yeah. And uh, in the process of them running away, one of them touches him. Eventually they get away. Once they're separate, he's trying to change himself back into a human. But apparently whatever happened when he was touched has caused him to stay trapped as the dog. And uh, we wound up seeing one of the uh, leaders of these police with these crazy, like, bug heads basically take out a contract on her. That flashes off to an- another planet. We see this, what looks like a lady with like, a crazy helmet, looks like a bird head on it, like a dead skull of a bird, kind of like a Cubone from Pokemon, sort of. She winds up taking the contract, talking about how you never get cheap contracts for easy work. If you're eradicating whole people, it's expensive. And we like see this whole pile of like, dead bodies behind her, and that's kind of where the Issue ends, like, setup-wise. Now there's this new bounty hunter after her, and Eddie's a dog and can't change back, apparently. So, like, it's pretty wild. It was a pretty fun book. Like, yeah, it's a magical mix of space and magic, I guess, book-wise. I mean, we definitely see other planets. We definitely see other crazy-looking alien things. So it's inter- I'm interested to see what the rest of it winds up being. I mean, it was a pretty fun read for the first issue. I've heard good things about the second issue, because like, it's out already. As far as the score, I mean, I'd give it a three and a half. I mean, I love the art, because it's at Mike Norton, and I think that guy's awesome. And as far as like the setup for the story, I mean, it kind of comes out of nowhere, but it's a fun read, so I liked it. Uh, Josh, what did you think about Grumble? I get it a four. Uh, 3.75. I like it. I like where the story's going. I, like, I think it has a lot of potential. You don't get that normal... I mean, in the comic book realm today, and we'll, we're get, we'll get to this in a later book that we're covering today, things are just like rehashed and recycled, and it's just like a story that's been done by another company, but just changing it to a female from a male or this or that. But this isn't like that. This isn't recycled. It's a kind of a new, interesting idea. I like it. It's cool. You feel like you can go a lot of places with it. Like foretelling, I think that the, she's probably his daughter. I mean, it's pr- it seems pretty obvious. I'm guessing that's why your mom sent her to him in the first place. Right. But, I mean, it, I think it's the story's real jumpy. It's kind of, it, the, the, the flow's real rough, but maybe as the story goes on, I think it'll smooth itself out. And if it can do that, it could become a really amazing book. Sure. Right on. Um, well, let's move on to uh, Self-Made. From Image Comics. Yep. Um, this book is written by Matt Groom and it's drawn by Eduardo Ferragato. Like a cat. Gato. That's what I like. I do dig the way this book looks. Like the arts, I, I like the art in it. 
So this book's very deceiving. Cover makes you think that it's a very sci-fi book. You open the in the insides, the guts of the book, and get all crazy. It's a very fantasy realm. It opens with this wizard-looking um, guy riding this gigantic... I guess it could be a horse, but it's got like horns, and there's a bunch of sol- dark soldiers with spears, and they're uh, coming towards a castle. Leader of a guard is saying, and they're... Um, Looks like they're probably going to be the protagonists. They're, they look like they'd be from, uh, I don't know, Braveheart. They have some blue markings on their face. They have spears and they have, um, they just look very. Oh yeah, it's very Braveheart. Like they're basically all lined up to battle and being talked to by their chief leader battle guy about how the, oh, your deaths today will be barred by statues and songs and, Everybody's gonna know if you're a sacrifice today, blah da blah da blah. And everybody's been trained for centuries to be, to do this, but you guys are the ones that finally get to do it. And she's like, "Why don't this one woman um, guard?" She's like, "Well, why, why? We could defeat these guys if maybe if we try a different tactic, like guerrilla tactics or flanking them. But we're just sitting here for the slaughter." And he turned the page, and she's the only. Everybody's dead, but her, and she's alive, and she's getting up and out of out of the. The forest comes a guy, like a blonde haired, blonde haired, blue eyed, shiny, fancy looking prince, and he's like, hello, I'm your prince, and he has a wizard with him, and he's like, um, what are you doing? I'm, I'm here to, uh, kill this main bad guy named Taranok, and I'm gonna be the one that stops him. She's like, uh, all these people were my friend, and he's just, he's kind of talking trash about everybody who died and stuff, and she's like, those are all my friends, and that was my family. And he's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm gonna kill the guy, and she's all, well, I'm coming with you. So they go about their way, and ex- as they go, get ready to go on this grand adventure together to, uh, kill Taranok, um, they do a kind of a story of what he looks like and his, his powers, and he seems like he's a pretty significant magical prowess. Kind of hard to explain, but he has like this magic entities coming off him that look kind of like snakes and is destroying the, the entire army. So they go on this adventure and they, they realize that they have to go to another culture and request their dragon. They have a dragon so they could, so they can get somewhere faster. Yeah. The, the guy who steamrolled the dude with all the tentacles coming out of him, after wiping out all her people, he's moved on to wherever he's going and where he's going is supposed to be. Like the end all of reality, and he's going to get some magical item and give him power over everything, destroy everything. So we have to get there fast to stop him. And in order to get there fast, we need to get this steed, which is the dragon steed from these other people. And so our party heads off to the other town to get the dragon to be able to beat the other guy to the end chase item. And this other culture that they're going to, this other realm area is very Egyptian-looking and in the desert, and they go in there, and the prince guy, who's kind of cocky, kind of like Zat Brannigan from Futurama, just very just like com- trying to be comedic and annoying, and everybody else is serious. So it's kind of weird. He's got a kind of an interesting attitude. And they go in there, and he's like, give us your dragon, and like just talks trash, and they shoot him up with arrows, and the wizard that's with him, who doesn't say much, um, the main woman and the prince all just are shot up with arrows and they're dead. Right. And you're like, wait, what? So then there's like a lightning bolt and all of a sudden they're walking across the desert again. They're like, all right, well this time when you try it, I'm going to talk to them because they're very proud people and you insulted them. And you're like, 
wait, what? So they respond. Interesting. Right. So they go back inside. She asks. They get the dragon. And they start flying. And next thing you know, they're you see the mountain in the distance that they're heading to. And green energy flying up into the sky. That's probably where this guy, the bad, main bad guy is at. Right. Well, yeah, something that's really interesting with that dialogue is like, as they're going through the desert the second time, like her dialogue is exactly the same dialogue. Whereas our Zap Brannigan, like his dialogue is not the same at all. But hers is like the same stuff. Like she says exactly the same thing to him about the being proud people and how you have to be respectful and blah, 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 blah. But this time around, he's like, all right, well, I guess you can talk to him then. Whereas the first time, he's like, nope, I got this. So, like, he's the only one that changes in the party. Also kind of weird. Anyhow, so the green mountain with all the green power coming out of it. So, yeah, they're flying at the the green energy mountain. And um, it shows kind of a... And it shows a montage of them fighting different people, like different guards and things and, and battling through... And they get to the main bad guy, and he sends energy at the at them all and kills the wizard. The woman warrior and the prince are hacking through. They they break through the defenses, and the woman warrior like, screams no because her wizard friend's dying, and she loses it and runs up and stabs the bad evil wizard in the heart. And the prince guy's like, that was supposed to be my job, but the evil guy is like can you blame me the power to change the power to fix everything? And they're like, what, what does that mean? And the, and the guy, the prince is all like, I don't know, but you killed the guy and it's supposed to be me. I was the one that's supposed to do it. And she's like, no, like I killed it. You killed my friend and killed all my people, killed my family. And they just argue and they argue and they start fighting. And so the woman warrior stabs the guy in the eye. He comes back to life. She kills him again. He he cuts her, but doesn't kill her, and she stabs him again through the heart, and he just keeps responding, and it just keeps showing all these this death scene after scene after scene, and all of a sudden, he just starts glowing blue and disappears, and she looks around and walks into the green glowing light, and then she's back with all of her families and friends and pe- like her people, and they're talking about, um, you can't that we died, but now we're back together again, so we did something right. And then it shows the dark wizard, and he's at the bottom of a prison, and she's looking down at him. And he's like, you can't keep me here forever. And she's like, well, there'll always be someone out here waiting for you to defeat you. And you think, oh, this is just like an interesting one-shot story. I was kind of, and then I was kind of shocked. I was like, that's that's how it ends. That's weird. And I I didn't really read into it, because I was kind of just, just reading just to read and I should have like going back through it. There's a lot of things that lead up to it and it shows the Prince guy and he's got this blue light going into his face and he gets up out of this chair and he's like, I don't understand. Like I kept, she, she wasn't doing what she was supposed to do. Like, you know, she's just a, a game AI and like, I was supposed to be the hero. It's my game. I was on playing it and she like had a, a mind of her own. We got to start all over again. And it shows like it's basically in a futuristic setting and this uh, woman scientist is like, no, we we got to use this. We got to experiment on this. this. is interesting. She's got she's got, to study this. Yeah. And so basically he was playing a game and the game was thinking for itself. Right. And that's how it lands. It just has to be continued. So. Right. Pretty cool twist. It almost was like that was a really boring, weird book. 
and then after you go back and read it, it was kind of meant to be that way because it was a video game being played. So it's setting up for a pretty cool story, I think. It's very interesting, like... I mean, obviously we've seen things like that with The Matrix and stuff like that, but it's a cool take for a comic. Like, they kind of, it caught me by surprise. Yeah, it was a pretty good hook, I thought. Uh, if you're going to score it by itself as number one? Um... I really enjoyed it after having read it a second time through after knowing what was going on and I really liked the cool twist at the end. So I would give it a I'd give it three and three point seven five. Cool. Yeah, I'd go give it three and a half. Like I, I enjoyed the art, but uh like taste wise, I mean art is, you know, whatever you like, I guess. So like I enjoyed the art for it. The first time around, like the very first time we had dialogue that repeated, I had to stop and go back and read it again. So I like turned the page back and I'm like, hang on. That's the same. So, like, I caught it the first time through and being like, man, that's weird. So, like, the double repeats, I thought, man, this is this is a real neat idea. So I'm pretty excited to see what the next issue winds up being just because it's I think it's a cool twist. Um, I can see, like, if, if you miss the twist, they'd be like, what is going on? This book jumps funny. But the the catch in the middle there, I was pretty, yeah, I was pretty impressed by See, I give it three and a half. I, I would definitely suggest checking it out. Like, as far as a thing, I could easily see this turned into a movie. And yeah, there's flavors of Tron in there and flavors of the Matrix and flavors of, uh, Ready Player One. But as far as, like, things are concerned, man, I don't know. It's an interesting twist with the AI taking over itself. I'd say it's almost more Tron-like, but it's not really that either. So, I don't know. I was pretty impressed with it, though. I thought it was friggin' awesome. On to the White Widow. This is uh this one by Albatross Comics Group. So initially, I wanted to seen this book originally on Kickstarter, and uh, that of course led it to, to Diamond, and now led it to, to comic book shops. So, as far as books, there's a whole bunch of different covers for it that were like Kickstarter exclusives, but the covers were pretty cool. Like, there's two different ones for like normal release, one with like a red foil cover, and the other one's got like embossed titling that's shiny. I like shiny things, so that's awesome. Uh, so see, this is, uh, by, uh, Jamie Tidell. As far as the book's concerned, there's a whole group of people that worked on it. Um, we have, uh, Juan Nazif, who did, uh, writing and letters. And then, uh, write artist-wise, we have, uh, Benny Powell, and there's a whole group of people on this book, so I can't pronounce all their names, and there's too many of them to, because we have different artists in different pages, so it's 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 wild how many people worked on it, but it's kind of awesome. Anyhow, so we open up and we have this uh, lady who kind of looks a little bit like a, I mean, she's like a white version of Spider Woman from Marvel. Uh, costume's really cool. I mean, it's got threads. I mean, things that look like Venom and everything else. It's like a it's like a female anti Venom almost. Kind of, yeah. Um, anyways, so we open up and she's in this room with these two people that are just kicked in the door, both holding guns and they're yelling at her, stop right there, and there's this dude on the floor, and, uh, like, her hands are up, and as we move forward, we find out that she's like, hey, you guys need to help this person, like, he's been shot, he's dying, and we find out that they're the reason he's dying, probably, and that immediately leads to them, like, shooting at her, and, uh, in the process of her, like, blocking the bullets... She winds up scooping him up, and she's like, Dad, gives us like a, a, well, it lets us know that she knows who the guy that was shot was. Ultimately, she gets blasted by a whole bunch of bullets and winds up flying out this window. 
And in her inner monologue, she's like, great, this is how I'm going to die. Falling out a window with no idea what's going on. My dad dead. Then we do a flashback to uh, a previous, a couple days previous, I think is what they say. We join her in class at school with her two friends. They're both they're all getting an assignment from the professor. And she gets up there, get ready to leave. And the two friends are like, hey, you want to come study with us and get coffee? And she's like, oh, uh, I have volleyball practice. I have to go. I, you know, I don't have time. And the two friends are like, oh, we always forget that you're like a jock person too, like really smart and a jock. And she's like, I always like to have fun. It's all cool. And uh, she leaves. And the two friends have a kind of weird conversation about how nerd guy likes her. And the uh, female friend is like, you should just tell her how you feel, bud. It'll all be fine. And that leads us to a flash splash page of like her full on bikini getting ready to play volleyball. Like super nineties pinup Jim Lee style X Men oh, yeah. pinup style. And like we have a lot more inner monologue of her thing which she's got going on on the beach, and then she serves the ball and as the beach game progresses, the volleyball game, she winds up diving at one point for the ball and like blacks out. And we see her with the blood coming out of her nose and on the ground all crazy. Then we flash to the hospital, and it turns out she like full on blacked out in the middle of volleyball practice and like was bleeding out her nose all crazy. And we're now in this hospital room, and there's her dad, and there's this other lady walking around looking at charts. Turns out that her mom is like this hard-cold scientist lady, and dad's like a scientist guy too, but he's the heart of the family, really. And uh, they're trying to tell her, oh yeah, things are going to be okay, you know, everything's all right. And so she gets herself addressed, and they leave the hospital, and we flash to that evening. And mom and dad are both at home, I assume at home, looking at these crazy computer screens with all this data on it. And they're like, oh, we're going to have to do something. Like, this isn't going to work at all. We're going to have to get her and tell her. We have to explain things to her. Like, this is, there's no way we can save her. She's she's dying. And dad's like, well, there's one thing we can try. And, of course, mom's like, ah, it's not a good idea. We haven't tested it. He's like, well, we better do it. Otherwise, it's going to kill her. And then we move from there basically to join her in the apartment we saw her in earlier, doing homework. And there's a knock on the door, and it's Dad. And Dad rushes in. He's already been shot. He gives her this injection from, like, an injection gun. He's like, here's a flash drive. All the data, you, everything you need to know is going to be on the drive. you got to get out of here. And he basically dies. And we see this crazy transformation happen slowly from the injection that transforms her into the crazy White Widow thing. And then we're joined by the two folks that originally kicked in the door, shooting the place up. And it leads to crazy, like, shootout chase with a whole bunch of different agents. In the process, like, she's moving all crazy and climbing walls and shooting, not necessarily webs, but more like tentacles. But it moves very Venom-like. And in the process, she's like, these people are trying to kill me. Like, I, the only thing I can do is kill them. So she takes out a slew of them. It, pretty impressive, like... And uh by the time we get to the end of the battle, there's only one of the agents left. And, of course, it's the one from the room that kicked in the door originally. And uh now the battle's led into a whole crowd of people. And so the agent's talking crap and, like, basically calling her out. Oh, yeah, go and kill me. Look at all these people and see what you really are, you monster. And, of course, that leads her to, like, self-doubt and freak out, sort of. And so she basically lets the agent live and then runs away. Which, I mean... I, Hindsight kind of makes sense, just because there's all these people watching her, and 
from the people's point of view, yeah, it was a crazy monster attacking these FBI people. Anyway, we jump from there to, like, her finally deciding to check the flash drive. And that gives a little more exposition, which I'll go and leave for, like, the mystery or whatever. But as far as, like, a setup for a book, it moves pretty quick. Um, I dig the art a lot, and yeah, it is very, very 90s, but I dig it. And that, maybe that's why I dig it. I don't, because that's my generation, I guess. I don't know. But, like, I like the way the costume looks. As far as, like, a score, I mean, I give it a, maybe two and a half, two and a half. Like, I like the art a lot, but it is very 90s, like, image art. The story itself, not a bad story. I mean, like I said, it moves kind of quick. But as far as uh, a setup for a thing, I'm pretty interested to read the next issue, just because I want to know, like, what exactly they do to her. Anyhow, um, but yeah, I give it two and a half. Like, I dug it. I like the way it looks. I really like shiny covers, so that's I'm also a slave to that. So. You give it a two and a half? Two and a half. Josh, what'd you think of the uh, White Widow? Oh man, I I don't like to do this very often, but I really didn't like this book. I thought it was really weak, really generic, um, moved really choppy and funky, um, just weird setups. Like her parents look like dark hair, and she's like white hair, and I was like that. I, you know, that that was weird to me, and obviously they're probably not her real parents. Guessing test tube, baby. Or something, but I, I don't know the story, and the character's like, oh, I can climb up this wall because I have powers like a spider. It's like, that's just straight ripped off from a Spider-Man book. And I was just, we, there's so many spider characters right now. Like, there's so many. And Spider-Man's all over the place that I thought that maybe go a different direction. So, I mean, I give like a one and a half, maybe. Maybe, just on... Because the cover is really, really pretty. <laughs> what covers are pretty? Oh, I'll give you. There's a lot of spider characters. And depending on how much spider stuff you read... I mean, if you're a DC person, spider stuff won't affect you really that way. I mean, it is called White Widow, and she straight up has a spider logo on her chest. So it's obviously spider stuff. But as far as, like, a setup is concerned... I don't know. I dug it, but... I'm predisposed to having 8 million Spider-Mans because of Spider-Geddon and Spider-Verse and how there's five Spider-Man books running. So, like, one more Spider-Man book, for me, is all right. But it's not in the same universe, so they're not oh, going to no. ever connect. And it's it's just a very B-level, C-level character to me. And, you know, like, I, I give people props because they're doing it. They're in it. Like, they're an independent book, and they kick-started it. They, like, funded it themselves, and they did it, but... I don't know. I may, hopefully the book grows story wise. Hopefully it's just that first that first issue jitters that you get, where it's just kind of like you're not quite you don't quite have your feet underneath yourself yet. So it's going to take you a little bit of time. And hopefully the story comes around. You know, we did grumble tonight, and I thought that that was a really cool story. I liked it. It was kind of all over the place. It was quirky. It was weird. It was fun. It was funny. You know, it's I I thought it was I thought it was way more cool. If you're going to do something that everybody's done, you got to. You need to make a big splash. It's pretty disappointed. Like one and a half is just. A, I'm being nice. Let's say if you're from, you're an action fan from the '90s, that will hit a lot of points for you. Like the volleyball game, the pinup page. Yeah, it's straight up Jim Lee, like old school pinup stuff. So, but it's just kind of out of the blue because even if you know anything about sports, there's no way anybody would play volleyball professionally or like competitively in that. So it's like it's. Just, I mean, it's just loop. She's in school. She's there to play volleyball for school. Yeah, competitively, but you don't play in like a string bikini. 
Oh. You make one dive in that thing and things are flopping out, man. That's the whole point. No. <laughs> whole point. If you're Kelly Kapowski playing for fun at the beach with Zach Morris, then yeah. But even she wore like a, a single. Anyway, on to the next book. <laughs> the crown jewel of the evening, yeah, I we- thought. Weirdo. Uh, it's a Young Justice number one. This is from uh, DC Comics. As far as uh, covers, I mean, there's multiple covers. There's uh, the normal uh, group shot cover, and then they did a bunch of individual covers. So variant-wise, there's a whole batch of variants. Uh, but as far as stories concerned, it's written by Brian Michael Bendis, and the art and size by Pat Gleason, which if you listen to the show at all, then you've definitely heard us talk about Pat because he's fantastic. Uh, a friend of the show at that. He actually has a t-shirt at home. It's great. Awesome guy. Uh, anyhow, this revisits an old title. Now, granted, story-wise, I don't... You can probably read this and never have read the previous stuff, but the title in Young Justice comes from a series that happened, I don't know, like 20 years ago. And it was awesome. Kind of a middle ground between Titans and Teen Titans, cast-wise at least. So the way this thing opens up, we're on this deserted, well, maybe not deserted, this crazy, like, barren wasteland planet where we've got pterodactyl things flying. And we had a dude walking through the desert with, like, giant cloaks on. It very, it reminded me a lot of Dune, like the movie Dune. And then when we see his face, his face is, uh, I mean, it's, it's humanoid, but he's got, like, a pointy ears and this crazy batch of, like, not like scars, but looks like, uh, waves to his face color-wise. We only really see him in the shadow, so it's hard to say exactly what that's supposed to be. And I don't know if he's a character we've seen before or not, because it kind of acts like he might be, but I don't have a memory for him. He uh, He's talking to their his leader, and uh, his leader, eventually, they're talking about how, oh, all of our problems have been caused by these, these events that have happened on another planet. This planet's had six crises, and all these crises cause problems for our Earth because we're tethered. And that's when the uh, the leader looks at him and he's like, Earth. And from there we flash to Metropolis. We are in traffic being pulled over. So like this funny truck that has a tarp over the back. And the person being pulled over has a cowboy hat on. And she's uh, talking to the police officer. She's pretty shadowed out. And the officer's like, uh, yeah, so uh, you're from out of town? And she's like, yeah, well, yeah, I just became the big city, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, uh, you got any uh, guns in your car? And she's like, oh, well, yeah, because she's from Texas, so of course it makes sense for her to have guns. And then the officer's like, uh, can you step out of your car? And she's like, why Why do I need to do that? Is there something wrong? He's like, we got a taillight out. She's like, I need to get out of my car for a taillight? He's like, uh, what's underneath your tarp in the back? Just being nosy, like, cop style. And of course she doesn't want to reveal what's under the tarp, but she's like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. And that leads to, like, chaos in the streets that has nothing to do with her. But we get her reveal as she gets out of the truck, and we find out she's Jenny Hex, the descendant of Jonah Hex. The cowboy, I don't know, from the wasteland, you know, the giant hole in his face, generally. Anyhow, um, so from there, like, there's a crazy batch of monsters that appear out of nowhere in the sky, and she saves the cop from getting blown up. And then uh these other characters emerge and they're looking for Superman. Uh, I want to say there's six of them, I think. Maybe so. I guess there's seven. And they come busting through reality, like basically tearing a hole in reality, yelling how they're from Gym World, and they're there to see Superman and bring them Superman. Well, um, from there they basically start 
I don't know, t- attacking the people. Like, the police officer pulls his gun and tries to shoot at him, so they trap him in a crystal case. And uh, the people start kind of running away and yelling for help. Well, that leads to Jenny shooting at them. And then, like, out of nowhere, here is Tim Drake Robin. And he's in his old-school Tim Drake Robin costume. Not Red Robin. Robin Robin. Which is awesome. And he straight takes to whooping all these dudes. Like, going after him with his his baton and his shot gloves. And, like, he's taking it to him. And then we flash back to four minutes ago. And we see Tim riding on his motorcycle. And he happens into this truck causing problems in traffic. Which causes him to stop. Well, we know it's Jenny's truck because we see Jenny driving. And uh, in the process of being stopped, he knows Wonder Girl walking along the side of the street, you know, headphones on, not, you know, minding any matter to anything. So he starts talking to her, and he's like, oh, we need to catch up and stuff, and how you been? And she's kind of act all shady with him. Like, uh, not real forthcoming what she's doing. She tells him she's going to school and just trying to stay out of the limelight and keep her head down, blah, 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 blah. And that's when we see the portal open and the characters come out. And he's like, you're going to help with this? And she's like, I don't think I should. And he's like, all right, see you later. And away he goes, Robin style. And then we get a whole barrage of him taking dudes out, like fist to faces, fist to necks. Like, it's awesome. Um, from there, we pull back and we see the crowd like being attacked by all the other things. Because, well, Robin's taking care of a couple of them. There's six others that are causing problems. And about that time, all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people sort of vanish. And we get a reveal that Kid Flash, Bart Allen, is there. And he's basically running people away from the destruction. And the whole time, he's talking super fast and running his mouth like always. And this is straight up like old school Kid Flash costume, man. Like, impulse costume. Which is also freaking awesome. And then we get a whole chase through with him where he's running around causing problems for the different invaders. And all everyone's like, oh, what's, we can't see what's happening. Who's doing this? We can't see anything. And the whole time he's running his mouth, he's just like talking about how great it is and how awesome it is and how something's coming. Something's coming. And there's actually a really cool scene in there. I don't know if you noticed it where he has all the, the snakes and the turtles and stuff. Well, he's got a whole pack of cats on him too. Yeah, like, but it's, that's like straight from a, Pee-wee's big adventure. That was it. You know, no, I didn't know he, that. Pee-wee's like goes by and there's like the fire. And he's like, ah, and he keeps running in there and he comes out the snakes and he's like, no, and he falls down. Just, I think that that's like a. Okay. It might be. Uh, that's funny. I, I didn't even think about that. Robin's like, oh, you, you just always take it just a little too far. There's also a funny joke in there where he's, he's like, oh, crazy day for me. I'm running along and he, I was running my way up to Canada to join Alpha. And he stops, like, I, th- I think he was going to say Alpha Flight. Like, just kind of a joke to... Oh, yeah, it definitely seems like a name drop for that. But he's like, call Superman, call the Justice League. C- call Harry Potter. Right. Like, <laughs> just crazy, Bart crazy. Which is awesome if he's being written and drawn that way, because, like, at, at times he's been written and drawn, like, kind of, like, serious, more a little bit more serious. And that's just not who Bart Allen was when he first appeared. He was like this crazy, super technological, like kid from the future. And he's like vibrating through walls, fighting Raptors, like in the old nineties days. His, it was, he's cool. He's always been fun. So, Oh yeah. From there, like we jump back to the battle and we have 
Tim and Jenny both like under fire, not doing bad, but they're not, they're definitely not winning. And we cut back to see Wonder Girl, like Cassie, standing in the alley trying to decide what to do. And prior to her jumping in, we wind up like full on seeing her. Looks like she's crying, which is kind of weird, but it's also, she's been acting shady since Tim ran into her. But she, uh, unhoods herself and then jumps out into the fight, like full on bracelets, all swinging punches. Awesome. And uh, she's no, like, slouch when it comes to Powerhouse. I mean, she's basically got the power of Wonder Woman, so... She's the granddaughter of Zeus, so... Right? So, like, as far as power is concerned, she's awesome. Um, she takes a couple shots and winds up go- goes flying from it. And we see out of nowhere this green baseball mitt catcher. And she's, like, a Green Lantern. And there's this crazy, like, robot drone thing that's a Green Lantern construct... And a voice coming from inside is like, oh, hey, I'm a teen green. Um, yeah, I'm here to help, I guess. Which is kind of awesome, because it's the first appearance of this character, I'm pretty sure. Now, Jenny Hex, we know she showed up in one of the Walmart exclusives, so whatever. But I think this is the first time we see teen green in the comic books, really. So as far as appearances are concerned, I don't think we've seen her before. But, uh... At this point, she basically rescues Wonder Girl and decides to join the fight. And while this is all going on, like the crazy gym world people are like, "You said this was going to be easy. You said they were going to run like, like afraid from us." And he's like, "Uh, no, no, it, you know, it's uh, and, and the onslaught just keeps coming." Well, we want to join Jenny again, and she's gone back to her truck where she removes the tarp, and uh, inside there's basically like this giant. What looks like a, I don't know, not a suitcase, but like a treasure chest. She opens the treasure chest, and inside the treasure chest is basically what looks like a futuristic ray gun. And uh, she pulls that out and starts using it against everybody. And we get this cool batch of close-ups where the whole time Bart's been saying, oh, it's about to happen, it's about to happen. And then he's like, oh, it's finally happened, Young Justice is back. And we basically get this cool like splash page with the whole group of them fighting and shooting and flying to, to stop these guys. And we have Tim say, not without Connor. And then the battle persists forward, and we wind up seeing Cassie get hit by a batch of lightning, and the gym world people basically decide to retreat, claiming they won the battle and they took Superman's surrender, and, well, they'd see him all later. And the giant batch of lightning afterwards, all of a sudden Tim is in this black, like, Dark area, looks like a cave almost, and he is joined by uh, Amethyst, like, out of nowhere. So, the lightning didn't just, like, hit Cassie, it also transported the whole group of them different places. And we cut from there to another world where Bart is, and uh, he's running around freaking out, and we hear him see, we see him say, you, and, like, the next page reveal is like the biggest reveal of the book because it's just so crazy. Because we haven't seen this character, I don't know, in the last ten years in uh, continuity. Yeah, pre-52. Yeah, and it's full-on fade-cut Superboy. Oh, it's been, t- it's been ten years. Yeah, new 52, new-, new 52 is back in 2011. So, like, time-wise, yeah, it's been a long time since we've seen him. Eight years. Now, more than that, because he wasn't in the books before that because we killed him. So, like, book-wise, he hasn't been in anything for a while. But it's 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 Connor, and he's full-on, like, 
original Young Justice, he's got the fade cut and everything, so... But he's got a beard. Well, he's a little stubbly. So like he grew a beard. Well, he acts like he doesn't know how Bart's where he's at either. So, like, where Bart is? Good question. I think the lightning must have separated them all. But, like, where to? Uh, at this point, who knows? We haven't seen Amethyst in a while either. Because she was part of New 52's relaunch when they started Justice League International. And that book ended. And I want to say she showed up during Justice League Dark a little bit. But we haven't really seen her... God, I don't know. Maybe five years? So... How she is where she is, where they're supposed to be, no idea. Crazy. Uh, but the, as far as the book's concerned, pretty entertaining. I, I mean, yeah, there's a couple things that are, are very like, what the hell? But they're supposed to be, I guess. As far as continuity, it, it is hard to understand where or if this fits anywhere, really. Because, like, certain things being said don't make sense compared to other stories. I mean, the whole Connor name drop, up until this point, Tim didn't have his memories of pre-52, not entirely. I mean, he got some of them during the Detective Comics storyline whenever future Tim showed up and showed him and Spoiler, like, their history that they didn't have anymore and the life they never got to live in this reality. And then the both of them basically punched out a detective and went off to figure things out. So this is the first time we've seen them since then. So I guess maybe he's acquired those memories since then, which is possible. But other than that, like, it's, it's crazy how, or if this book fits anywhere, universe-wise. But the book itself is awesome. I mean, I give it a four and a half. It was great. I would, I would go so far. I don't want to give, oh man. I don't want to give it such a high number on nostalgia alone because I'm so excited about all these characters. I love all these characters. Like, that's, that's my era. Like, people are like, who's your Flash? Wally West is my Flash. And Kai Reiner's my Green Lantern, and Tim Drake's my Robin, and, you know, Connor's my slash Connell's my, my Superboy. It's just like, that's my era. That's, those are my characters. Those are the ones that when, when New 52 came along and a bunch of these characters went away, I was like, I quit reading DC for a long time because I was just, I couldn't get into it. Like, I didn't like a lot of the, the, the direction that they went, and this, this is the direction that I like DC. It's, right. There's that feel good, like family. That's why I liked Superman when they brought, you know, Lois and John into it, like, like being a character. Like that family essence is cool. Like I love that. I love that, that, that wholesomeness. But like Young Justice has always been one of my favorite team books. Like I, I read the crap out of Young Justice when it was a book originally. So. Right. And seeing Connor back. Super cool, and his car- his his costume's really ridiculous, but in a cool way. And uh, you know, I I didn't mind Tim in the Red Robin costume. I never minded that, but seeing him in the original Robin costume is pretty freaking cool, because he's the first one to put pants to it, really. Well, pants and the boots, and like change of costume concerned. I mean, his his particular costume was the very was the most different Robin we ever got. Now, since then, of course, Damien and Everything else that's happened afterwards takes notes from that. But when it first happened, it was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, Robin's costume changed. Crazy. It hadn't changed for, I don't know, 40 years. And then here's this new kid. He wasn't the first new kid. So we had Jason Todd in the middle. But Jason had the same Dick Grayson costume. And they break down. Each Robin has their own traits and their own this and their own oh, yeah. that. And, sure. But Tim was always, the to me... And, and people can argue all day long about who would who would take the mantle of the bat. And to me, like... If Tim grew up, he would, I feel like he would always take on the man on the bat because he had, there was something about him and his connection with, 
with Bruce that was different than all the other ones, to me anyway. And they're just like his his detection skills are leaps and bounds. He, his intelligence level is leaps and bounds higher than all the other ones. And they talk about that a lot in all the books about how much more intelligent he is than all the others. And Bruce is highly intelligent. And like the physical stuff can be learned. The physical things can be trained into you, but like the the IQ level that like Bruce and Tim are they're, they're very close. So yeah, the like you said, every one of the Robins has their own traits for things. I think more evenly balanced. Grayson's definitely more evenly balanced, but like Jason's the rage, Tim's the brains. Damien, I guess I don't know where Damien lands yet. Like he's just so wild that it's it's hard to say which one he is, but like of the group of them, yeah, you would say that Dick would be the the agility, the, the agility and the fighting prowess, and Jason would be the rage, and then Tim would be the smarts. So, I mean, I guess by the time Damien finally is a little older, maybe he'd be the full package. But as a thing, yeah, Tim's a Tim's a smart one. When you, when you line them up, he's he's the brains. But as far as like a setup, yeah, seeing the old costume is definitely nostalgic for me too. Like. As a thing in general, Dick's always been my Robin, but Tim was the next closest thing. Because by the time I mean, a majority of the time for me, Nightwing has always been Grayson. So yeah, I don't think you were. I mean, he hasn't been Robin since. Oh no, yeah, like old when I was reading old books, Grayson was always my guy. Jason Todd never really resonated with me, but as far as like collecting books are concerned, most of the time for me, he was Nightwing. So right. But as far as the thing in general, yeah, he he definitely lands a different place. And I I didn't mind the Red Robin costume when it was the cowl and didn't have the weird wings. New 52 costume, I always had a problem with. Even when it didn't have the wings, it was just red. I thought, well, that's weird. But even like they kind of they kind of combined the his original Robin costume with the Red Red Robin costume for a minute, where it was just his Robin costume, but black and red and no green. Which I I I didn't mind that. It was fine. Mm. It was cool. Like, it was its own thing. And, you know, really, I don't even know if I said a number. I'd say 4.75. But just, <laughs> I mean, because the art in it is just incredible. Like, oh, the, yeah. art, the art is amazing. It's written and it flows and it just, yeah, it's very fast paced. It's very crazy all over the place, but it flows. There's a flow to it. And a couple of the other books you read tonight, they're really fast paced and crazy but they're choppy and it's a little weird and it's hard to like, wait, what? And you have to go back a few pages and figure out this one's just like, it flowed. It was great. And so and I'm just excited. We're going to go with it. Like, what are they going to do? Right. You know, wh- who's this new, like teen green lantern thing that like, Oh, I'll change my name. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll right. come up with something cooler. Right. I want to make a better name by next, by next issue. And it's just like, it's funny. And it's, it's Yeah. Just a little little things here and there that made it funny. Like they keep talking about Superman and they keep doing this and doing that and being a metropolis. Like that's weird that they're a metropolis too, because like usually, you know, Superman's like that's his that's his area. So it's it's cool that they're all there because it's you know, metropolis is sunshiny and happy and it's like the <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just we'll we'll see where it goes. But maybe maybe we'll see some Miss Miss Martian, some Aqualad. You know, who knows where we're gonna go with yeah, it? Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I think they're. They're a little down a different path, but it'd be cool if we wound up getting pieces of them. They were cool characters too. Who, who Ar- was Artemis the Arrowhead? Artemis chick? was Arrowette was the Arrowette. one. Yeah. Which Arrowette, yeah, they, that's a, another character we haven't seen in a very long time. 
Artemis would be the current version of her, which are two totally different characters, but even if we got her, that'd be all right. It'd still be kind of cool. Miss Martian, I always thought was cool. Oh, yeah. She's a cool character. Yeah, but. there's not none of them that aren't. I mean, we do know, at least from ads, it looks like we're going to see the Wonder Twins show up, and they are getting their own, like, miniseries thing, too, so it's interesting to see what that is. The actual Wonder Twins? The actual Wonder Twins. And the actual DC continuity? Jan and Jace, yep. Really? Yep. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Awesome. You know, back back in the day, there was a big, in, if, if anybody's read comic books long enough to remember Wizard Magazine, um, for years, Wizard was like the penultimate. Like, if you wanted to know what was coming up, the the preview, the, the cool things up and coming was Wizard Magazine. And oh, yeah. it was like, I, I had a subscription for well over a decade. Anyway, they did an April Fool's issue. And when I opened the, the issue and started flipping through it, and I was like, I saw this Alex Ross painting of the Wonder Twins. It's like, oh, yeah, new uh, Wonder Twin book coming out. And like, going to be paint- done by Alex Ross. And I was like, that's a weird choice for him to do. It was the, it was the April Fool's issue, so <laughs> right. it was fake, but it made me laugh. I was like, that, I, I, you know, not even thinking it was April yet. And then I started to see another crazy things, but I was like, I wonder why they're not in the normal DC continuity. And I wondered it back then. And it's that, I mean, that's been like 50, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, it's like a long possible, time ago. Yeah. Anyway, so like, that, that'd be interesting. That'd be fun. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Um, all right. Uh, well, uh, Josh, what'd you learn today? Oh man, I learned that people will, uh, give money to things on Kickstarter just because they look pretty. Well, that's, that's true. That's not even a, not even a joke kind of lesson. Not, that's a I'm real just thing. straight for the, straight for the core today. Yeah, that's not very nice, but alright. Well, uh, what did I learn today? You learned that not everything's a joke at the end of this podcast. That's not true. It's always a joke at the end of the podcast. Uh, Every time. Well, maybe somebody should show up and have some jokes for once. <laughs> you know? we're we're working on we're working on breaking you in. You you get better with at it as you go. I hope yeah. Ross listens to this. He's like, oh, yeah, Ross, where are you at, man? I'm gonna have to do a podcast with <laughs> you. you know, I can tell you what Ross learned today because I got a text message from him earlier today before we started this, and he wanted to know why I hadn't told him that in the Titans TV show, in the first episode, Raven is eating Tricks cereal, and it's the Superman Tricks box. And I said, Ross, only you would notice that. Like, literally, <laughs> only you. No one else, I mean, yeah, she's eating cereal. Okay. He's like, I can't believe you didn't tell me that. I'm like, what? Well, him and me had a conversation about this book months ago. So, I I just want, like, and it hadn't even been announced yet. So, we, t- we talked that hopefully that that's the direction. Because they had some mystery books that All were coming right. out. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I think it might be Young Justice. I'm like, me too. That'd be amazing. We were all like both excited about it, and he's not even here to talk about it with me. I know. Well, that's what happens. School and college and being smart. And being boring. Well, you know. That's what you get, Ross. <laughs> all right. Uh, you got any books to watch, Josh? <laughs> this book. Young, Young Justice. Can't wait for it. Sure. Um, I'm kind of curious on this, that whole, uh, X-Man crossover that they're doing age of x-man because yep. i like nate gray sure but he's kind of the the most powerful villain ever uh could easily be yeah so we'll see where that goes it's, i'm kind of bummed out he's a villain but he's still pretty cool to me yeah by the end of it we'll see what happens like it's resulting in a batch of miniseries and then i guess we'll see what the end of that winds up being really and uh also 
I'm serious. If you if you love crazy sci-fi out there, insanity, the new Green Lantern book with Grant Morrison is amazing. <laughs> oh man, I haven't been that excited about a book for a long time. So you're you're a slave to Grant Morris. And Morrison. 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 Yeah. All right. Uh, well, as far as books to suggest, I, I'll pick one from this episode. Also, Grumble. Like I, I dig that a lot. I love Mike Norton. So it was good. Super happy he's got he's doing stuff. I think he's fantastic. So I love seeing him working on stuff. I mean, I feel like there was one that coming out from oh Little Bird, I think is what it's called. Or shoot, it's an image book, and now I can't remember what it, it's something Bird. Dang it. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, I'd also give a shout out to the Neon Future. Like, as far as that book's concerned, like, just seeing the pages today, so glad they sent over a preview, cause that's, like, it looks great. So, excited to read it. Um, at some point, I will do a, we'll do a review of it on the show. Like, that's, uh, there you go. Look forward to that, folks. We'll do a review of that. And I'd say, get online, check it out. Um, I mean, you, you can Google the Neon Future and you'll be able to find their page or whatever. Uh, if you want to follow them on, uh, I think, I don't know if it's Instagram. I think it's Instagram. You can add them at IT Comics, which is, uh, the Impact Theory Comics. So IT Comics. And you should be able to find them that way too. Just to look them up and check things out. Super excited about that because the art looks, it looks fantastic. And I like post-apocalyptic crazy technology things. So it's right up my alley as a book. So I would suggest that one. I also say you should, uh, if you don't have kids in the car and you want to listen to something about movies and the newest upcoming and you love movies and directors and things like that, listen to CBS and me's other podcasts, Never Been Done podcast. Um, you can find it on the same link on the Top 5 Comics podcast universe connector page. <laughs> if Vortex. You to, if you go to top5comicspodcast.com, it is uh, in the options in the middle with the other shows. So you can you find the link to the Topic Comics podcast there, to the Never Been Done podcast there. Uh, you can also find a link to Rob's uh, game channel, Ant-Man 2050. So if you like watching video games on on the uh, old YouTube and walkthroughs and playthroughs, he does a whole batch of those over there. So yeah, we, and all of, all of us need more followers. So uh, you know, get on it. That'd be awesome. Also, right. leave reviews. Go on if you if you're listening to this on an iPhone and you or on iTunes. Leave a leave a five star rating. I mean, you say terrible things if you want, but leave a five star rating because it <laughs> it, re- it does really help us. Whether you're listening to this at work and just trying to get through the day, and this helps you get through it, and you get to listen to a couple guys, hope oh, sometimes more, chat about some some books that you really like. Then you know, do that. Just go down, just give us a rating, share it on Facebook, um, share it on Instagram, all that kind of stuff. It makes a huge difference when you do that. Don't just like it, share it, and tell your friends about it. Because if you like it, you, your friends probably like it too. Because yeah. your friend's like you, so obviously they have something in common. Must have some type of good taste, right? I mean, even though the stuff I like, you can't stand. So, But anyway, there's, there's, <laughs> there's not, a chance. There's it's, a chance. Not, it's not true. It's true. <laughs> Whatever. You hate Side by the Bell. You hate fun. I don't hate fun. I like fun just fine. I mean, the French Prince of Bel-Air are fine. You're just your other choices are weird. Uh, well, yeah. I'll tell you. Okay. Stacy Crossy forever. <laughs> Is that the right name? I don't think that was. Stacy Carosi? No, Kelly Kapowski. Well, I said Stacy Carosi. She's my first love. Oh, I see. But she's the summer one right now, remember? Yeah, 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 okay. Silly. All right, so Tiki? Nope. Oh, man. You and Mike would get along so well at the end of the show. 
I'm not so sure about the rest of the show, but you get along just fine at the end. Uh, well, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, people just fine. You follow along. I'm not going to do it. Oh.